Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Scouts podcast, episode number 40, coming at you just after championship weekend, uh, week 17, just completed. Hopefully, you won one title, two titles, three titles. Hopefully, we helped you get there. Uh, championship weekend is always a lot of fun. Some leagues are still going uh, into week 18, so that'll be fun. Uh but we are going to kind of recap the season, do a fantasy football awards show today. Um, a lot of uh, really big performances this season, the last few weeks. Uh, a lot of superstars really carried some teams in fantasy this year. So we're going to hand out our fantasy scouts, fantasy football awards. Got Matt Nine, Sam Ehrman, and of course, I am your host, Chad Workman. We'll get to the awards, but first... As always, head on over to patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts and check out ffballallday.com. In fact, check out that website on Friday, January 7th, this Friday. Going to have a new look, a little bit of a rebrand heading into the offseason. We've got a lot of exciting content, new content coming your way in the offseason and next season. We're kind of kicking that off with a fresh, uh, fresh redesign, if you will, of the website. So go check that out on Friday. Very exciting stuff. But with that, let's get into the Fantasy Football Awards show. Championship weekend just concluded. Do you win any titles, Matt? No, I, I did not. Unfortunately, I placed third in two leagues, and I had my third money league. It was a really close race. That there was five of us sitting at eight and five, and I lost out on points. So I did not make Ooh, the tough. the winners bracket, and I ended up placing seventh in that one out of twelve. So. I am a little bitter about one league. I was won the championship last year at ten and two, or I guess it was eleven and two. And this year I was first seat, the one seat again with the bye, twelve and two, and I lost to the team who barely made the playoffs at six and eight, just because my squad didn't show up and I played against that week. It was this was, uh, two weeks ago. It was Burrow. It was Higgins game. It was Chubb game. Devonte Adams, like Debo Samuel, like I just lost to everybody that had the best week of the their entire season and happened to be all on the same team. So it was just really unfortunate. Otherwise, I pro- otherwise I probably should be sitting back to back champ in that league because what my team did the, uh, this past week and for third place would have absolutely crushed either of the teams in the final. So yeah, that's pretty much how mine went too. Um, I don't play in a lot of leagues. I, um, and the league that I care most about went 13 1 down the entire season. Um, uh, and then uh, second round I had the bye. So, this, you know, second round, my whole team, like literally three guys get hurt. Every, like, literally, like I was a favorited by like almost 100 points. Literally everything that could have went wrong for me to lose that game did. So I ended up losing, right? And then, of course, my team clicks back this week and I would have won the championship this week, you know. And instead, I'm sitting at third place with a guy who won first has, in my opinion, a clearly superior, inferior team, and I have to hear about it for the next year. Granted, he's my best friend, so we talk a lot of shit, and our teams were pretty even. But I mean, you know, I would have beat him again for the championship. That would have been back to back. But 
you know, sometimes the fantasy gods strike you as, you know, you're not going anywhere this week and, you know, two weeks ago or whatever it was now, um, my whole team, literally three, I had three people get hurt, you know, a bunch of people didn't perform. And on the guy I lost to still only put up 155 points. And I normally put up over 200 every week. I mean, literally his team wasn't very good. He didn't deserve to win, but my team, you know, you got to perform, you got to win. And of course, you know, team clicking again this week, but won the championship, but it beat Ryan, but here we are sitting third place, you know, with a team that's absolutely incredible that, had no right to be in that third place competition game. I beat the guy I played this week by almost a hundred and I knew I would, like, I wasn't even worried, you know, like, you know, it is what it is, but. I think the most thing I'm bitter about is the fact that I didn't lose anybody to COVID over the last few weeks. Like there was a bunch of weird semifinal lineups and championship lineups and I didn't lose a single person. I just flat out lost. And that, that hurts the most. You know, I have no excuse. Yeah, see, mine was, you know, I I was getting help. Like, I was obviously injury derailed, and, you know, CMC was down early, and Ridley, you know, quit halfway through the season. So it was like, you know, I didn't have those guys, but, you know, I still had obviously an incredible team. You know, like, Saquon's still my, like, RB4 of that team. You know, like, that's kind of where I was. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, my guys didn't show up. They didn't perform. And, you know, like, it was one of those things where it's like, the week was so bad. I only scored 145 points. I went back and looked. I never scored less than 160 points in that that league ever. And then, like, I scored 145 points. And it was funny because it was like, you ever had, like, one of those weeks where you're watching and your guy has a huge play, and then, of course, you see that little fucking yellow icon marker at the end? Dude, that was, like, that me, like, that two weeks ago. It was like, my guy had a big play callback immediately, every time, you know, or – I couldn't believe Adam Thielen gets hurt in the first quarter. You know, it's like he's on his way to have a huge game gets hurt. You know, just stuff like that where it's like, you know, I had three guys get hurt. Saquon didn't play the entire second half. You know, everything that could have went wrong happened. I lost. And then obviously I would have won this week. So it's like just like an extra, like, I guess, slap in your face from the fantasy gods. And honestly, I'm glad that you felt the same way. How about you, I'm, Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much in the same boat as you guys. I, I think I mentioned it on the podcast earlier, but I won – three of four, or I won, let's see, I won two dynasty leagues last year and placed second in one and third in the other. So all top three finishes. And I just knew that this year I didn't have, you know, the little things bouncing my way. I I made the title game in my main league. So I was trying to go back to back there, but I lost like throughout the season. I lost Russell Wilson. I lost Derek Henry at one point traded for Christian McCaffrey. Then he goes down, lost Chubb, James Robinson, Michael Gallup, A.J. Brown for a while, T. Higgins was out for a while, Darren Waller. So I just lost. I mean, it was just – yeah. and that's how, like, all of my teams were. But I, uh, I'm i in another title game that's going into week 18 and then um, another league, which I won back-to-back the first two years. We're in year three now. I actually just missed the playoffs by, like, points, like you, Matt. And then um, we do – the winner of the consolation bracket gets a comp pick. They get – pick 113 and I ran through the consolation bracket. So um pretty pretty pumped to to get one that pick 113. But uh, 113 is high for a comp pick. It is. It's it's we do three we do 313. So 12 man league. You should be in the middle honestly and do the second. Like in one league I'm in with the analysts on Twitter, like the lead that I see Twitter gentlemen. It, it used to be 113 and then they switched it to 213 and 
feel like that's much better because it's still a valuable pick, but it's not enough where it's like totally going to like, you know, ruin someone's draft plan. And that's what we found with what 1.13 did. That's true. Yeah. I think 113 just provides a lot of motivation. If you're not in the playoffs, like I had a lot of injuries and stuff and I made moves like for guys like Antonio Gibson, I didn't trade for just like a bunch of picks. And that way I knew like I'd have a strong shot if I missed the playoffs to win that consolation. So it's kind of a good, just a way to, you know, not trade away all your studs essentially. But I got a question for y'all. Yeah. If you could think back on this season, what is the one, you can only pick one. What is the one trade that you absolutely crushed? Um. For me, I, you know, Part of the swap, I did some DJ. I swapped a lot of Deontay shares for DJ Moore. That was part of the trade. But I think my biggest thing that I did, I I, flip, I was able to flip Barkley from Mixon just about everywhere, and that proved to be a, a, a very beneficial trade. I don't know if I remember. You know, like I've you know my like the, my main league. Like I've had a lot of great trades that built me like you know a, a god squad. Um, I don't honestly I'll tell you one trade I regret is like mid season I traded my late second and a fourth for Adam Thielen. That dude not did nothing but burn me after I traded him. I wish I could have that it's only like two point like oh nine, but I wish I could have that pick back, you know, because it's like yep. he fucked me so hard. Every time I started him, he got hurt. I think my favorite trade in that league I just mentioned where I won the consolation, my team is really good. I just had injuries and I had a few older guys. So I just wanted to reload for next year. I traded Brandon Bolden, Keenan Allen, Dalvin Cook for Allen Robinson, OJ Howard, DJ Shark, Antonio Gibson, Kadarius Tony. Oof. I like that. Yeah. You know what? I'll take that back. You know what trade this year that I made that I guess that I'm extremely happy about? Um, there's two. One of them, you know, Sony Michelle helped. You know, he would have helped me win the league had my team didn't choke. You know, and he's been he's been great. You know, I traded Kyle Granson and like 2.10 for Sony Michelle and 2.08. Very happy with that. Yeah. But honestly, the bigger one for me for the season, I my phone's blowing up. I'm trying to mute that. Um, before the season, I traded Dak Prescott in two seconds. Both of them turned out to be really late um, for Justin Herbert, and honestly, I I'm very happy with that, especially with how you know we've seen you know that big Justin Herbert jump, you know finishing the season as the QB three, um, Dak really struggling. Um, I'm happy with that. You know, I, I didn't make a whole lot of like trades that I can remember that really like. I don't know. If that makes any sense. It does make sense, but let's uh, let's get into the awards show. This is a, a really fun episode for us, and I think the listeners, um, you know, there's there's probably some some obvious picks that we'll have in common here, but there's also some stuff we'll disagree on, and of course, we'll talk kind of runner ups and honorable mentions, and and just get into kind of the nitty gritty, and you know, of course, we'll see kind of what we think of these guys going into next year as well, if they can kind of repeat. Uh, some performances. So with that, the first fantasy football award that we will be handing out is comeback player of the year. So somebody who was down and out last year with injuries or whatever, um, come back strong this year. You, you know, the drill, 
Let's start uh, with you, Matt. Who do you got for comeback player of the year? Well, I just mentioned him, and I don't, I don't know how. I mean, I'm sure there are probably a few good answers, but I don't know how Joe Mixon can't be in that that conversation. Started out uh, 2020 relatively slow, uh, six points, ten points, seven points. Had a big blow up game of 40, and then kind of trailed off. You know, waited for that contract extension, and then missed the rest of the season. You know, I think he only played six games last year. This year he comes out, he's sitting at our overall RB3 right now. And he wasn't being drafted as that. I believe he was being drafted in like the fourth round, third round, fourth round, you know, mid-range to back in RB2 type stuff. And he's absolutely balled out this year. How about you, Sam? Do you is that also your selection or do you have somebody else for us? Well, I I have two people, and I'm going to mention the one really just really quickly, Joe Burrow. Yeah, um, he's the know. other one I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah, I think you have to too. But here's the one that I really want to point out: um, if you draft this kid, you you, you won your leagues, um, Debo Samuel. Um, that was my pick. Yep. yep. Uh, Debo Samuel was it was never a question of talent with him. It was always availability. This year, for the most part, he's been healthy, unstoppable, uh, great fantasy asset. Glad to see him healthy, balling. Uh, absolutely in my book, one of the best comeback players of the year. For sure. Yep, I agree with that. He he only played, what was it, seven games last year, and he showed some flashes, but... That's the thing was, is he always did, and then but he right. would just like get hurt. Like, I remember Jason Moore of the fantasy footballers comparing him to Dots, where, like, you know, they're really good when you first get them. But if you let them sit for a little bit, they're not going to be, you know, you know you're not going to have them long. It's like, you know, they don't last very long, and... I always yeah. thought that was true, but then, you know, Debo finds a way to stay healthy this year, and I couldn't be happier for him. And you look at his – just pulled up his dynasty startup ADP on DLF. Back in August, he was going as wide receiver 40, moved up to wide receiver 35 in September. October was wide receiver 25. Now in December, his latest ADP is wide receiver 10. So that just shows you kind of the leap that he took. Um, and like you said, I mean, he showed, he showed the flashes last year. He just couldn't stay healthy, but he really put it together this year and, and definitely was a main component of a lot of championship teams. So for me, it's Debo. Um, I was also going to mention Joe Burrow. He's been as good as I would have hoped. I don't own him anywhere, but being attached to those two young wide receivers in that offense He's a guy that that Bengals offense is going to be fun for a long time. So, um, but with that, yeah, I think Matt Joe Mixon um, was somebody who he had a strong year, um, kind of tailed off a little late, right? But he was, he, he had some big numbers um, kind of in the early mid parts of the season. He had a big game a couple weeks ago. Yeah, week 16 against Baltimore when they absolutely crushed them, scored almost 30. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But other than that, yeah, it was a in between there. That was pancaked between a lot of, you know, 12 to 15 type point performances. But in the first part of the year, I believe he was on pace with JT as far as total touchdowns there go for a handful of weeks. They were neck and neck. So. Yeah, absolutely. And he was, I mean, he still was. RB at this point, at least he's RB four in terms of overall points. Um, I think RB five in terms of average, but yeah, I mean, he averaged 18 points per game still. And, you know, even his down weeks where 
he only had four games less than double digit points and they were seven points, 8.8, 9.4 and 8.1. So he didn't really have any duds either. I mean, you can, you know, even a seven, eight point week, that's not good, but you know, he didn't have any like two point games or anything. And it's crazy too. Like I still feel comfortable taking him as startup. Like he's only 25 years old. Feels like, crazy. He's been, feels like he's been in the league for a decade. And, you know, just being attached to that offense, he's going to continue exactly. to have a lot of scoring opportunities and, yep. and such. So, I'm running it back next year with him. Do we think, Sam, do we think that Debo Samuel can and will replicate this performance next year? Or are we still worried about his injuries and just, I mean, that Trey Lance worries me a little bit just because, you know, he's going to he's gonna run the ball a lot. But there, Debo's a guy that, they use him in the backfield. They use him out wide. They run him in the slot. I mean, they move him all around and manufacture touches. So I think he's going to get his, but are you worried about Lance or just his injury history? No, I don't think I'm really worried about any of that. I just think that in a terms of reality and value, he's probably at his peak. Um, but I still think he's going to be a really good player moving forward. It just depends if he's healthy. You know, I think Shanahan understands you know, how dynamic he is. Um, so he likes to get him on the field um, in different places and positions. I do think Lance may affect him a little bit, but I mean, I don't think you can expect him to continue playing at this level for years to come. So I think you have to expect some of a dip. So I'm not really worried. It's just, you know, maybe, I don't know. I mean, like for him, it really just depends if he stays healthy in my opinion. Yeah. I would definitely be open to moving him if I had him anywhere for, you know, if you're getting, that ADP startup of wide receiver 10, if you can get that value back in a trade, I think, I think I would be well, interested. You know? Yeah. You might have to cut that your mic. Cause <laughs> you sound like you're playing guitar. <laughs> yeah. I think I would be open to moving him at that wide receiver 10 value. Just, just because there are enough variables with Lance and the injuries that I would like a more consistent, reliable producer. But I mean, he's a stud, so I'm I'm not going to fault anybody for hanging on to him and, and expecting another year of, yeah. of that. I think the thing that you have to be careful about is, you know, um, when you'll get on Twitter all the time, oh, he's a sell. Oh, sell him, sell him, sell him, sell him, you know. Sell him on or St. Brown, you know. It's like, yeah, you know, like, don't sell, just sell. Like, I mean, you have to – get a good deal like and people are yeah. coming out posting that stupid ktc thing saying like oh aj brown is you know just barely more valuable than Amanda st brown like do you actually believe that no like stop that like <sighs> i think a good way to interpret when somebody says sell is that if somebody says player x is a sell that means you should be actively attempting to sell them but for fair value, not just to get them off your squad. But I think at the same time, every player is a sell under the right circumstance, depending on your team and depending on what the offer is. It's just a matter of whether you should be actively selling or, you know, let them rest on your team or on your bench or whatever, and just kind of wait, see if an offer comes, uh, if so or not. Yeah. And I also think, you know, we're all kind of, you know, we're the fantasy scouts. We do scouting. We, we find players that we like and we invest in. So if you own like Amon Ross St. Brown, he has this huge breakout. Like I would probably look to flip him for the right price. But if you were somebody who loved Amon Ross St. Brown coming in, you thought he was going to be a stud and you 
you truly believe in him, you know, you don't have to just trade him because he had a good stretch there. Like he, you know, if you believe in the player, yeah. Keep if, he, if he's if he's your guy, hold on to him. But Be- believe your process until something changes that you recognize it needs to be adjusted. Yep. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't disagree. I'm just saying, like in general, um, and like I'm understanding Brown. I think he's really interesting. I, I think he's obviously probably playing at his volume peak, um, which obviously I think like in terms of value makes him a sell. Um, but if you wasn't breaking out, like you know, there's tons of guys who are in situations where it's him and nobody else, and he's not doing anything. Amon St. Brown is bald. And it's not like he's going to completely disappear. Like, I think people think, like, oh, TJ Hawkins is going to come back. You know, they drafted Amon St. Brown. Well, you know, they, you know, no volume left for Amon St. Brown. I mean, it wasn't like he did nothing the first half of the season. He still had a handful of four, five, six, seven catch games with TJ Hawkins on the field. It's just – he got the volume more consistently and then had the huge breakout when TJ Hawkins was completely gone. I think the reality of a minor St. Brown is somewhere in between pre and post TJ Hawkins and leaving. And, you know, it's his rookie year, you know, they draft him, they had high expectations for him. Um, and he's done exactly what they want him to do. I don't think his role changes moving forward, but I think his volume may change. You know, I think last week it was, I think it was a good sign if you're a huge Monter St. Brown fan to see him lining up in the backfield. Like they're using him like Debo Samuel. So right. like that to me, like maybe he's not a sell. Like if you see, if he was just playing running like wide receiver, like maybe, you know, but I see them starting to use him, you know, kind of like Debo. So maybe his role increases, you know, like, I feel like that's a conversation that could be had. Yeah. And I think one thing I'll add is, you know, you can make the argument that they'll add playmakers and more competition for targets. They'll take away from him and things like that. And I think those are good points you make. But I think the other thing is if they improve the offense, he's going to get more valuable opportunities, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he's going to get more scoring opportunities, just more valuable touches in a good offense. Like we want players in good offenses. And so you look at what he's doing in a bad offense and I mean, there's been plenty of wide receivers in that offense that came through and and didn't really produce. So Quintez Avis. He did produce. He oh, I know. I just <laughs> Come back player of the year next year, baby. Yeah. No, but I just you know, it's 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 like, hey, we don't want them to add competition for targets, but at the same time, we want players and good offenses. So, anyways, kind of a, a tangent there, but. Um, I, I will say I, I've seen trades where people are flipping players like Chase Claypool for St. Brown straight up. I saw a Mike Evans one. So like that's where I agree. Like, you know, maybe you better like, still sell him. But it, it's it league dependent. If like somebody's offering you, you, yeah, if somebody's offering you guys in that Claypool, Pittman, Higgins, anybody kind of in that range, like you need to take the other guy and not St. Brown. Or even at first, like if someone comes to me right now with like a mid second. I'm probably just going to hold on to Monter St. Brown. There. Like, yep. you know, like you didn't draft him in the second or third round. So, like, yeah, if you want to take the immediate, like, flip profit, you probably can and go package that with somebody else. But if you – if, like, you're looking at Monter St. Brown as, like, a viable depth piece moving forward, probably. And, you know, if he's able to contain, maintain, you know, you know, like it's – you know, people want to say, like, oh, he only broke out after Hawkinson, but – Holy crap, you know, you're looking like he had a six reception game week four, five or seven reception game week six, you know, five the next week. So it's like he's been doing this all season. I think people are just starting to pay attention, you know, 
when it got into you know the double digits. So I don't think right. he goes anywhere, but I still think he's going to be a viable player. And you can't just sell valuable players, you know. And I think Twitter, if it's a guy they whiffed on who breaking out, you know, they're always a sell. You know, oh, this guy couldn't be a breakout because he was drafted in the fourth round. Right? Yeah. Wait till they wait till they find out over half the NFL is undrafted. And, and yeah. I I will say this, you know, guys like you know, uh, what you call it, St. Brown and Pittman, you know. At this point, I don't care about a college profile. I don't care about a draft pick. I've seen them produce at the NFL level. What they did two, three years ago makes I, makes no difference to me anymore. I know they can play in the league. It's just a matter of what is that role in your particular team going forward. Yeah, I think you know draft position and college metrics and all that stuff is helpful to project. Okay, I'm gonna play a game real quick. I'm gonna I'm gonna read you. Tell me, like, okay, say stop when you think TJ Hawkinson got hurt. Ready? Here are minor St. Brown's, like, receptions by game for the year. Two, three, one, six, seven, five, three, four, 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 ten, wow. eight. Yeah. So, like, that's the thing is, like, you look and he was viable every game up until that point. Yeah. Um, obviously – you know, the 10, 8, 8, 8, 9, probably not going to happen. But 4, 5, 7, 6, you know, with T.J. Hawkins on the field, that's a good sign as a rookie. Yeah, and, it, you know, a lot of rookies break out late in the season regardless of what's going on around them. So it's not just, you know, I mean, obviously Hawkinson getting hurt and, and Swift was out for a bit, so he soaked up a lot of those targets. But a lot of, a lot of rookies break out late. Like, it just happened to coincide with, with that, you know, with the offense missing Hawk and Swift. But I do think, you know, college metrics and, and where they're drafted and stuff like that is helpful in projecting a player's success. But once you get into the game and see them on the field for a season, a lot of that does go out the window, to your point, Matt. And it's like, it, it's helpful up front projecting these yeah. guys before we see them on the field. But after, you know, a season, it, a lot of that kind of goes out the window. You know, it's not even really relevant. Yep. So, all right, let's move on to the most improved player of the year. Uh, this is one that I think probably a lot of people agree on, but I think there's a few, a few different options. So, Sam, you want to kick us off with this one? Most improved player? Um, yeah, I do. I've got two. Um, I feel like the low-hanging fruit, probably Cordell Patterson. Um, just, you know, like, he was always like a, a talented running back, um, you know, and you saw flashes, but, you know, now that he got the, like, you know, that role for the first like three quarters of the season, I think it was very clear to see like, Hey, this kid could play. But for me, I think the most improved player, and I think moving forward, um, was, was, was a guy I was high on a draft process and then he kind of struggled, you know, and then his second year has been great. I think AJ Dillon, um, I think you can really see, like, over the past you know, couple of months, like, the light to click, and then, you know, he looks good. You know, and they're throwing him the ball. He's catching the ball, and he consistently is outproducing and outsnapping Aaron Jones. I, I don't – you know, you can blame the injuries and stuff, but the way Aaron Rodgers talks about A.J. Dillon, you know, on the Pat McAfee show or even last night on the – you know, the ESPN with Peyton Manning, you know, they love A.J. Dillon up there. Um, you know, even he said he's never seen anybody be embraced like Green Bay. 
like um, he has with you know, A.J. Dillon. So for me, I think you have to be really excited about the future of A.J. Dillon, you know, on the field and off the field. I mean, like he's a great gamer, huge in the fantasy community. So I think, you know, all things considered, I think, you know, for 2021, he was my most improved player. Yeah, I, I just want to add, I think that's a good a good pick. And I, in the weekly reviews, even going back to, you know, before Aaron Jones injury, just, you know, whatever, week six, seven, eight, somewhere in there, I wrote about how, like, Aaron Jones was still putting up points because he was getting in the end zone and getting some valuable touches and some receptions. But A.J. Dillon was really starting to take a hold of that. Like, it, you know, it was a full-blown timeshare, if not even favoring A.J. Dillon for a while. So, and I think people, it took kind of the Jones injury and some big games from Dillon for people to realize it. But even before that, they shifted to a lot higher usage for A.J. Dillon. So I'm with you there. Uh, but Patterson was going to be my pick. Um, he is, I think, the recipient of this award, but there are other options. You got what do you got, Matt? I think Cooper Cup needs to be in the conversation. Oh yeah, I don't know how I forgot. I mean, I, I don't. I, when we when we think of improved, I mean, Cooper Cup was good before, and he always had good good seasons, good fantasy seasons. But this particular one, I mean, he's absolutely jumped to another level. I, what is he? He's still close to breaking uh, the single season f- records for receptions, receiving yards and receiving touchdowns or something like that. Yeah. I think he's like, I think he's a little over a hundred yards away from Calvin and they've played the same amount of games now, but obviously he get cup gets that extra game, but he, and, and he could think, still break it. And I think, I, I feel like I saw this. He'd be like the second or third player ever in NFL history to finish first in receptions, receiving yards and receiving touchdowns in a single season. Wow. Something like that, the, the trifecta for a wide receiver. But I also want to touch on one of the guys I was high on was Michael Pittman. I thought his sophomore season was fantastic. And it's actually I, – I projected him for about 130-ish targets, roughly 1,100 yards and about seven receiving touchdowns. And he's relatively close to that uh, right now. But uh, one of our Discord members dropped this into the chat yesterday that I just – I just want to read this off to you real quick. It's from Dwayne McFarlane. So in Pittman's second season, he had a 26% target share, which is an elite threshold. He had 23% target share per route run, which is great. And 1.96 yards per route run, which is near elite. And the elite threshold is 2, 2.0. So he's at 1.96. And then he goes on to say the Colts run the ball, the fourth most in the NFL and are second to last in regulation dropbacks per game. In a passing offense, or even a more balanced offense, Pittman is easily a top 12 dynasty wide receiver. So I'm just really excited about him. I think from where he went rookie year and this entire past offseason about all the discussions that were had and stuff like that to where he is now, I think you know Sam has kind of been saying this pretty much almost the entire season, like, Higgins is a good dynasty guy, but the gap between him and Pittman is probably a lot closer than a lot of people want to realize. And I think it's still like that. And I think it's because, you know, Higgins is tied to Burrow and, you know, Chase, the whole offense is open. And then there's Pittman who's over in Indianapolis. He's by himself. There is nobody else there. The Colts do need a viable wide receiver too. I'm not sure Zach Pascal's that guy. And T.Y. Hilton is probably going to retire after this season. So, they're probably going to add someone, but it's not going to be a threat to Pittman. So I think he's got to be at least in that conversation from 
you know, going as wide receiver 55 over the summer all the way up to a mid-range wide receiver two right now. Yeah, that's uh... – ask you a question about Pittman. Um, are you ever worried that his ceiling is capped because that offense runs through JT? Like, I, I don't see world – I thought where... about that, and somebody no. and somebody asked me that. I compared him to Alshon Jeffrey. And Alshon Jeffrey was always, you know, a thousand yard receiver, you know, six, seven touchdowns, kind of exactly what Pittman did this year. But I think a lot of the issues that the Colts have and the reason they're so run heavy through through Taylor is because Carson Wentz has still has regressed. He hasn't quite gotten back to what we saw a few years ago. And I'm not sure he's ever going to get to MVP form. But there are a lot of issues with his footwork and fundamentals that I think when he fixes those, hopefully this offseason going into you know second year in the system, previous head coach, et cetera, et cetera, that they trust him to throw the ball more, if that makes sense. So I I thought this past offseason when I wrote that article, I, I liked Pittman because I'm like, he's going to be a consistent wide receiver too throughout his career. Like that's kind of where I pegged him mid-range to back in wide receiver two, kind of always floating between that 20 and 26 range. But after watching this year, I still think that that's the most likely outcome. But what I've seen is that his ceiling is top 10 in a legitimate offense. So I am curious to see in the future what they do as far as that. Yeah, I, I think one thing I'll add, we, you know, I just mentioned you want players in good offenses for scoring opportunities. And Pittman is a red zone threat. So, I mean... Obviously, they trust JT around the goal line, but Pittman's going to, I mean, he got 27 red zone targets this year. Off the top of my head, Wentz missed him, I, that I remember specifically, Wentz missed him four times. He was wide the freak open in the end zone. So it's four touchdowns that he could have had that he didn't. Yeah, he was targeted seven times in the end zone, um, caught three of them, I believe. Yeah, so those are the other four. The four, yeah. And I think that 27 red zone targets will go up. I mean, the elite guys, Cup is all the way up at 54. There's a few in the 40s, but like in the 30s is really good. So he gets just a few more of those, you know. But for me, the other guys that we didn't mention, again, I think Patterson is the winner of this award, but I would throw in Hunter Renfro um, just in terms of most improved because he's a guy that wasn't really a fantasy option in this offense, and he turned out to be a target hog and, and you know, a a wide receiver one. He's been a wide receiver one this year, which is crazy. Um, and I do think that'll probably shift a little bit once they get Waller back. And, and you know, obviously they lost Ruggs, so they'll try to replace him on the outside. But he's just a consistent slot producer, kind of a, a poor man's Cooper Cup in a way. So I think you can mention him. The other one I would mention, and I guess this can kind of be argued because he was really good before, but that's Mark Andrews um, because he's had some good seasons. But he is, he's got almost 1,300 receiving yards. 1,276 receiving yards, the seventh most all time from a tight end through 16 games. Um, and then he's got 99 receptions, and there's only been 900 catcher seasons for tight ends. And he's, you know, he's going to get there next week. So he'll be one of 10 guys at the tight end position for 100 receiving yards. And I just think what this offense, obviously, they'll get some running backs back next season, but. 
I mean, they let Lamar throw it a lot, and and Andrews is the focal point of that passing offense over the middle. So I think he's kind of solidified himself. You know, before the season, it was Waller, Kelsey, Kittle, and then, you know, you had some other guys like Andrews and Pitts and Hawkinson and Fan. I think Andrews is officially like he, – he, he could be your dynasty tight end one, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue it. So, um, let's move on. This this one is not my favorite to talk about, but uh, it's important to cover the busts as well. So, start with Matt. Uh, biggest bust in fantasy football this year. This is a yeah. tough one. Yeah, I'm thinking of a lot of guys, but then at the same time, you want like, me to no. go? I'll yeah, go. but it's like, no, they got hurt. Like Robert Woods was well, probably one, but yeah, it's and, not fair. He got hurt. And I think, I don't know if mine's fair, but I was going to say Calvin Ridley. Oh, shit. Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was going as like QB 10 or something like that to start the year, like way up there. And I believe he finished like 24, 25 or something like that. Obviously, there was a lot of external circumstances that kind of didn't help, but he's got to be on that list. Um, I've got a few. Um, the first one, say what it is, but Saquon didn't help you this year. Wherever you drafted him, didn't matter if it was in the third round. He didn't help you. He was a bust. Um, he looked really good last week, though. He would rush for over 100 yards, and nobody seemed to really care. I, I I thought last week he looked like Saquon Barkley. Um, maybe we get another week of that, and he goes in the offseason and blows up next year. I don't know. Um, but I feel like the other one, um, Allen Robinson. Um, yep. Man, he went from QB proof to stink, stank, stunk. Um, man, that was brutal this year. Um, really, like. I don't understand. Like, if you drafted him in the fourth round, like, he didn't cost you your season, but he killed you because you drafted him early. He's been so good for so many years, and you started him week after week, and it's probably week seven before you realize, like, I probably can't do this again. And then, you know, you've already lost yourself a few weeks. So I think Al Robinson really stands out to me as, um, in my opinion, one of the biggest busts, if not the biggest busts right behind Saquon. Yeah, that's a good one. I think, you know, I mentioned Ridley, but obviously he had the, and I, you know, I respect him for taking care of his mental health and stepping away, but he's a guy who was in the, the wide receiver one conversation. Another guy would be DeAndre Hopkins. Obviously he got hurt, but he didn't, without that, I mean, he didn't even have a hundred yard game. He, you know, he really struggled. Um, I would even... Terry McLaurin's wide receiver 23. He's a guy I was really high on. I mean, you know, he was being drafted as a wide borderline wide receiver one, and he really struggled this year as well. So another running back, um, huge bust in my opinion, Chris McCaffrey. Uh, I mean, he played seven games, didn't help you in two of them. Yeah, he was great in the five that, you know, he did play, but went on IR again, couldn't rely on him, had the hamstring issue. Um, Came back. Oh no, he's going on IR again. Yeah, I mean, like the second year in a row, Chris McCaffrey burned you. And here's a question: Are you touching CMC next year in the first round? Yes. See, are you really not? Probably not top, top just, five. But if he falls past it, probably. 
So what is your top five like in redraft right now? Like so JT one. Um I would take Mixon before McCaffrey as of today. See, I wouldn't. I would still have McCaffrey. I would have JT Cup. Um because in my mind, like I think of it like we had three perfect years of health for McCaffrey, and then the past two, it's just been this entire roller coaster. And I just don't know if I want to I feel like I want something more guaranteed. Now I know Mixon isn't yeah. exactly you know, a prime example of a clean bill of health. But this year, I mean, he was, and like we mentioned earlier, he's in a very high powered offense. No, I don't disagree. I feel like, you know, like my top five, maybe like if I'm drafting, would you take Jefferson or chase first before him? Not first, but before him. See, I wouldn't, but, but I'm, I'm also a risky drafter admittedly. And that's why I don't win a lot in redraft. I'm either first or last, basically like I drafted, Saquon Barkley and Calvin Ridley this past year, the only redraft league I did because the upside, like I got Saquon late first, which I understand like people were scared off of him, but I was like, if he hits his ceiling, getting him like the late first is a home run. So I think the same with CMC, if you can get him pick five, six, seven, I think that's, I think he's still going to go top six or seven, just off name value and what, what we know he can be. So. I think the frustrating part about Saquon is before he got hurt, the dude was looking really good. And then right. fluke injury, you know, like not his fault. You know, guy just, you know, whatever. He's out for an extended amount of time. He comes back and it's just been just a guy. And then, you know, like it was okay for fantasy. He really screwed you in fantasy, you know, some weeks. But, you know, even last week, he wasn't very good for fantasy. 10.2 points. But he rushed for a hundred and some yards. Like I thought he looked really good, but you know, I Daniel Jones is I don't think Daniel Jones is the answer. But I know Jake Fromm and Mike Lennon are not the answer. And in a world without them, you're seeing it now. Like with a world without Daniel Jones is a world with like Jake Fromm and those guys, and it's not pretty. You know, like Daniel Jones is, you know, at least competent and you know, is athletic enough to like extend drives and he's intelligent enough. And is capable enough to check the ball down to Saquon. I've watched Mike Glennon over the past few weeks and Jake Fromm. They can't hit Saquon on a check down. I watched one last week where Mike Glennon went, they set up the screen pass to Saquon, and he probably, like, he was probably six feet away from Saquon. And he threw it not only over his head, but he probably threw it 150 miles an hour, like, over his head. Like, it's like all you had to do was, like, right there. Carson Wentz broke. can't hit J- JT on a check down either. You know, it, I, I, I don't know. We can move. I just wanted to rant about. Can stuff. I just can I just give you a, f- a few more running backs before we move on? I would say Trey Sermon is one. Mm-hmm. Um, he was going all the way up at like RB twenty three in preseason and just nothing this year. Literally, um, Clyde Edwards Alaire. He had some bright spots, but he was a guy that a lot of people were expecting a huge bounce back season. And then, uh, to a lesser extent, Mike Davis. I mean, people were drafting him as an RB two this year, and obviously. Yeah. Patterson really took his job, and and Davis was basically unplayable for most of the season. So, well, if we're gonna talk about Trey Sermon, then most improved player, I think Elijah Mitchell got. Yeah, there, so. can you do most improved for a rookie? Like we hadn't seen him yet, so you improved. could bring him up as rookie of the year. Is, but that's true. But right, breakout player, I, I put breakout player in alternate awards. I don't know if we really need to talk about it. Is similar to most improved, but he could definitely be breakout player of the year. Um, but for now, let's move on to best playoff performance. Who was a guy that just smashed around the playoffs? If you 
had him on your team. I can think of a couple names right off the bat. Yeah, yeah. I got two. Obviously, Jamar Chase. Absolutely. I know the one Matt's going to say, and I wanted to say it first just because Matt wanted to say it so I could take Same. it. But I'll save mine. I'll save my second Same. one. Same. Go ahead, Matt. You can have it. Rashad Penny. Yep. Finally. I'm so bitter about it, though. Like, I held on to this dude and traded for him in my home league and traded him away and traded back for him like three different times over the past three years. He has and not left I, my rosters since draft since the rookie draft day in 2018. You know, the worst part is, wow. like, right before the playoffs, like, in my main league, Joe offered me to him for, like, a fourth, and I was like, you know, I, I would like him. You know, I think, you know, but, uh, you know, I've been burned. I just don't see it happening. So then, you know, and that was like, you know, Rashad Penny, like hamstring issue, like could go on IR. Like I saw that report. And I was like, oh, no, like, you know what? I'll keep the fourth. And then Rashad Penny comes out and is just an absolute superstar. Like yeah. Rashad Penny is exactly what I thought he would be if he was healthy. And so, of course, enough, he's not on my team. Over the last four weeks, he's rushed for over 450 yards and like six touchdowns or something like that. It's like 5.6 yards per carry. I mean, he's just yeah. been lights out the past yeah. years. And talk about a guy who's like playing for a contract at the absolute last moment possible, but he's balling out. So, yeah, I, I wrote was about never it. An issue. You know, so right. glad he's healthy. I wrote about um, it in the weekly review. He's RB1 yeah. from weeks 14 to 17, 481 yards in that four week span, which is the most he's ever produced in a season, let alone a four-week span. I mean, so. obviously it's not probable, but if you extrapolate this four-game sample size over the course of a season, he's going to rush for over 2,000 yards. Right. Yeah. Um, I Honestly, okay, so my best playoff performer, um, I got two low-hanging fruit on this one, um, Devontae Adams. Obviously, you're starting him, but, you know, 33 – points per game in the playoffs that's unreal um you know you can't you know like i think that you know has to be in this conversation 33 points per game um during that stretch you know two touchdowns you know i mean like the dude's balling um but then also a monitor st brown i know we just talked about yep. him but if you started him every week in the playoffs congratulations he was a wide receiver one yep i was gonna mention him as well um the the last name I think I think Chase would be my pick or Amonra St Brown those two maybe share it. T Higgins maybe I know he didn't do a lot last week but and I know he burned you most of the season but after I tweeted you know that he was struggling he blew up so you know which was right in the fantasy playoffs and I I tweeted a lot about him and wrote about him just to stick with him because the targets and utilization was there he was struggling to come down with a lot of the 50 50 balls and that that certainly changed but you know on that on that end I, I don't necessarily value QBs that highly, but in a two quarterback league or, or what have you, I mean, Joe Burrow, he, he outscored, he was the highest scorer through the playoff weeks um, outscored. The next closest was Josh Allen with 76 points. Burrow had 85. So, um, you know, he even outscored the QB one and was just uh, when you, uh, I've been listening to some podcasts and stuff on best ball. I don't know if you guys really play best ball, but I really enjoy it. But all of the winners had, you know, some combination of St. Brown, Jamar Chase, Rashad Penny, and some Burrow. So those are the guys, you know. And like you said, Devontae Adams, uh, Cooper Cup, uh, all those guys. But um, I think Jamar Chase and Amonra St. Brown were the two that, that really stand out to me. And Penny. Um, all right. Let's move on to Rookie of the Year. 
I think we all, well, I don't know. Are we all in agreement? I think it's Jamar Chase. Yes. I'm going to actually change my answer. And okay. I, it, Jamar Chase has been the best rookie. Um, by far, I don't think anybody can hear that. But I think if you're talking value and production, Elijah Mitchell is the rookie of the year because he he was free and he was an RB1. Jamar yeah. Chase, you had to draft him in the second round. So, I mean, like, if you if you want to bring in value into the conversation, I think Elijah Mitchell deserves to be talked about because he was literally free and was an RB1 on the year, you know, in the points per game. You know, Jamar Chase, you had to pay up for him, and he was as, even better than advertised, but you had to pay up to get Chase. Right. That's a good point, and I think Najee Harris is kind of in that conversation with Chase, but neither of them offered – extreme value but just in terms of being the best rookie i think it's chase than harris but yeah, yeah. elijah mitchell smashed uh in terms of his value i mean uh, all my leagues he went i think in the last like the fourth round of rookie drafts so huge huge value there what do you think i Matt? cut him right before the season in my main league and it was like Oof. it was between him and amir miss Mar- smith marset and i was like well, there's been no buzz about Elijah Mitchell. He was a sixth-round draft pick. You know, Smith Marset was a fifth. There's been some buzz about Smith. You know, so you know. So he was my. I always have one kind of later round rookie running back that I like. He was second to Jarrett Patterson. So Jarrett Patterson is the one that I I probably took over him in places because I just love Jarrett Patterson. But Mitchell was like right there for me. So I I get it. I just missed out on him. Yeah, like I was high on him. Like for a sixth-round pick, it's just like yeah. you know. Where does he fit in? Yeah, exactly. It was like, you know, does he really fit in here? And I was like, is he really ever going to play? Like, people forget Raheem Mostert. Like, you know, like he was still the starter. So yeah, it is what it is. But you got anything to to add there, Matt? I mean, Jamar Chase. I think for me is rookie of the year. I do agree with Sam as far as value goes. You know, where you took each guy respectively. Elijah Mitchell obviously provided a ton of value for next to nothing when you got him. But I think other guys that, that had really good moments, I think, you know, Khalil Herbert had a three-game stretch where I think he was like a top four back in the league at one point. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson has been surprisingly yep. good. I, was I know I, I understand he hasn't started all season, but again, he's had some really, really good moments. And if for some reason they opt out of Damian Harris here in the next two years, I think he could be a viable RB1, at least mid-range RB2. And then you got another guy in Davis Mills who's, you know, in and out of the starting lineup. But here over the past month or so, he's been – Really, really good. Really impressive. I'm not sure he's still the long-term answer, but he's definitely bought himself all of 2022. One other name that we haven't mentioned, Kyle Pitts. I know that people are disappointed. He's over a thousand yards as a rookie tight end. I mean, yeah, that that's is, that's incredible. If he had t- if he had like five touchdowns, people wouldn't care. He's yeah. only got one on the year, and that's why people are so mad. Exactly. And I I think if you got, I mean, I got him in an auction startup, two tight end. And I paid, I overpaid for him, but I was just like, this dude's value. I think going in the next year, the dude is so much value. In I think having play. Ridley back will help as well. I don't know if Ridley will be back. I'm, I'm assuming Ridley will be back. He didn't yeah. say he was retiring. He said, you know, so I'm assuming Ridley's back. And I assume that the Falcons will probably take a quarterback, you know, in the first and kind of start the session plan. You know, they've been a competitive team most of the year. I don't know how they have seven wins, but. Um, you know, good on them. I, you know, they're much better than I anticipated, but I imagine they start, you know, kicking the can down the road. It, it'll be interesting to see what they do with 
Cordero Patterson, who's a free agent. I would assume they'll they'll try to bring him back because, and he'll probably want to go back because he's been so successful there. But he could, I mean, somebody could give him the bag, you know. And, and I doubt it, uh, you know, because he's he'll Falcon be thirty. Falcons trade for Lavisca. Yeah, just make Lavisca their guy. See, I think the thing people like the thing about Cordell Patterson is all season, outside of one game, he never had above seventy percent snaps, and. You know, like you saw his production kind of really fall off, you know, over the past month and a half. So it's like, I don't know if the Falcons really think they want to invest in a 31-year-old hybrid running back when you could probably just, you know, snag like Kyron Williams in the second round. Like, Well, and I, I, uh, I listened to some podcasts that do like fantasy usage. Hayden Winks, who was on our show, does a fantasy usage model. And Cordero Patterson, like he just couldn't figure him out because his fantasy usage – in the model was never good, but he was putting up big numbers. Yeah. So, Most yeah. efficient player of the year goes to. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that was the thing is like, in my mainly like the guy who had him one in two seconds and I was like, you can get bent. I'm not paying that. Like, I don't care that he's scoring 20 points per game. It's going to stop. And sure enough, it did. And, you know, I didn't tell him to get for Juju in a third, but or he, I think he's traded. You, you get the point, but sure. Um, yeah, I'm with you. Um, so that was, did, did we cover everybody there? With yeah, we're ready to do MVP and okay. then I'm excited about breakout because I got one. I got a good one. Should we save MVP if we want to cover, do you want to cover breakout players and rising stars for next year? Well, let's do let's that do last that. because you know, like, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. So we can okay, Matt. Okay, M- MVP. We we all know the MVP. It's I mean, J- it's JT. I mean, come on. I don't. Okay, let me give you. I a mean, you got somebody different. Well, no, no. I mean, maybe you know, if you want to go quarterback. Well, so let me. Um, I, I, I will think- say this. I want to give a shout out to Josh Allen. I I believe he's the second, or at least. He's the first time since like 2006 or something like that that we've had back to back. The same QB one has gone back to back seasons. So shout out to him for that. But I would mention I think Cooper Cup is in the conversation. Yeah, averaged four point one more points per game than Devonte Adams, who was wide receiver two. Four point one more points than the next closest wide receiver. That is, you know, he's just and, having the season of all time. Yeah, I, I don't know. I would lean Cooper Cup just and especially you know he was where he was like a second, third round pick, right? Where I mean JT was expensive and he delivered. I I love JT. Don't get me wrong. He's he's right there. But I think I would lean Cup. Just that difference between wide receiver one and wide receiver two is is pretty crazy to me. I mean, you look at so. Derrick Henry obviously got hurt, but he was averaging, he averaged over 24 points per game. Then Jonathan Taylor at, at 22 and a half next closest Eckler averaged 21. So, I mean, not that JT wasn't dominant, but uh, I don't think he was quite as far above his, his peers than cup was. All right. Is that it for MVP? All right, breakout player. Who smashed their ADP? Sam, you said you had one. Let's get it. I have one that I'm actually really excited about, and I was watching the game last Sunday, 
And it occurred to me that he's probably going to be like an incredible value. And that is Josh Palmer. I don't know if Mike Williams is returning, but Josh Palmer can play. Like if you've watched the chargers this year, the kid's good. Um, And I think that, you know, I don't know what Mike's contract situation, like I know he's, you know, probably not going to return on some hefty extension. They may bring him back. But if he doesn't, you have to trash Josh Palmer. He'll be dirt cheap in every league. Um, Keenan Allen's a year older. I think Keenan Allen will be 29 or 30. Um, and then, you you know, you're looking at Josh Palmer, who's drafting third round. He's very physical. Um, has, he runs a decent route tree. He doesn't run the cleanest of routes, and they like him. You know, he's able to run in that Keenan Allen slot position, and he's able to go out wide um, and make big catches down the field. Um, he's developed all year, and I, I really like him next year. Um and I imagine, you know, he's going to be really, really cheap. You know, assuming Mike Williams is gone, you'll still probably be able to draft him like the 10th round. So I think Josh Palmer will be a good value no matter what. Um, and if Mike Williams does return, then you could probably disregard this. Um, but that's kind of what I like next year, a wide receiver. Uh, do you have one? You know, off the top of my head, I don't. I really like that pick. That's a good one. And that's a little deeper. I think for me, I look at, Obviously, like a Javante Williams, but his his ADP is going to be super high. I think you mentioned AJ Dillon. I think he's one that could really just take over that backfield. Um, I would say Elijah Moore is a good bet. I mean, he played really well when he was in the lineup. Um, see Zach Wilson kind of progressing, and I don't know what Elijah Moore's ADP is going to be, but ending the season on IR kind of you know, showed flashes this season. I could see him really rising up and being uh, a really good player next year. And then um, the other guy I want to mention is a tight end going a little deeper is Irv Smith. Um, I feel like people kind of forget about him. And you look at what Tyler Conklin did in that offense. And, you know, if they retain cousins and keep the same system, I think Irv Smith could smash and he's, you know, coming off the injury and, and you've got, you know, a lot of young tight ends with breakout potential. I think Irv Smith is a guy that I would, I would like to, to go get. You know, I don't know if I agree with that. Like I loved Irv Smith coming into this year and I was really disappointed when he got hurt, but I I don't know how he's going to look off the injury. Um, So he may need a year, you know, he may need a year off the injury. I don't know. I mean, like I could be wrong, but typically like, you know, with those feet injuries, like he's what he's got, like, that's Typically true. takes those guys a year. That's um, true. My next breakout player that I wanted to point out is actually potentially on the same team. KJ Osborne, Adam Thielen, he's getting up there in age. He'll be thirty-two next year. Uh, let me look. Yeah, thirty-two next year. And KJ Osborne has stepped in very decently with uh, Thielen out. And I don't believe Adam Thielen is on con- under contract next year. So I'm potentially having a new staff. Adam Thielen may walk. K.J. Osborne may step into that wide receiver two role permanently. And, yeah. you know, those weeks that um, um, Thielen has been out, like, it's not like um, Osborne hasn't done anything. He's had, you know, both of those games where he stepped in um, for Adam Thielen, who was over double-digit points, um, 14.7, 17.3, and then 17.8 and 14. So, Adam, you know, K.J. Osborne puts up double-digit points. He's in the teens. Um, 
and you saw his touchdown catch last week, you know, against the Packers um, on that primetime game. Incredible grab. Um, he's got a handful of really incredible catches this year. So he's somebody that I'm really intrigued on next year. Um, potentially Thielen walking, you know, KJ Osborne stepping into that wide two, two spot could be very um, enticing for fantasy, you know, especially considering that you can imagine that KJ Osborne's not going to sniff the double digit rounds in your drafts. Sure. That's a really good one. I like that a lot. A few more names for me. This is more kind of breakout player who could smash their ADP next year. I'm really excited to see where David and Joku goes. Super talented. Loved him as a prospect. If he lands in the right offense, he could smash. Um, kind of a sleeper tight end, Brevin Jordan. He kind of has been under the radar, but he's played pretty well to end the season. And then at wide receiver, I'd go back to, you know, I mentioned Terry McLaurin. And, it, you know, I think the perception now, again, is that he's kind of a, a low-end wide receiver, too. If they figure out the quarterback position, I just think that dude is so, so good. And he he was really hurt by the offense in the quarterback situation. So he's a guy I could see rising. And then lastly, um, this guy's definitely already on the radar. But DJ Moore. DJ Moore's had a really good season in an offense that is, you know, has just been all over the place this year. I think uh, he's a guy who could provide a lot of value next year. Yeah, I don't disagree. Um, you know, like, I think you, like, when you want to start, like, if you're talking, like, early, like, who smashes their ADP, you have to, like, look at guys who I imagine the fantasy community will probably either whiff on. And I think the the guy I'm going to talk about, I think the analytics community is not going to like. I think they're going to completely whiff on him coming out. He's going to be a rookie next year. Um, and I, I know for a fact the NFL really likes him. And I've been high on him since he was a freshman. And obviously being a Notre Dame fan, I'm probably a little biased, but maybe Kyron Williams. Um, Interesting. He is one of the best running backs uh, out of the backfield. Like great pass catching back. So he's going to have safe, like he's going to be safe wherever he goes. Like, I could see him being drafted in like the third round solely as a very reliable pass catching back where he catches 50 balls. I don't think he will because of how good he is in between the tackles and how physical he is. Um, he's got some of the best contact balance I've seen in years. Very Javante Williams like. Um, great speed. I mean, you saw him, I think it was the Clemson game where um, <laughs> he turned around, ran around, went 98 yards or 92 yards for touchdown. Uh, is a slot wide receiver, a very physical hard runner. Um, and Twitter is already telling me he's a day three pick. And I, I don't think he's, I'd be extremely shocked if he lasts a day three, but if he does, it'd be very early. Um, and whoever drafts him is going to use him. I, this kid, he's, I know teams have got like early day two grades on him. And I don't see that happening, you know, where he falls to the fourth round, like Twitter thinks. And, you know, it'll be full narratives. I think wherever he goes, it'll be a narrative street behind him, why you shouldn't draft him. And I think that he'll become an, I'll be an instant value. I like that. Yeah, he's uh, really good. I I don't usually start digging into prospects until, you know, the offseason, so I don't know too well. But from everything I've seen of the kid, he, he crushes it. Yeah. Um, two more names real quick before I, I finish up. I think Jerry Judy. Um, those Broncos pass catchers, man, if they find a way to get Rogers, Russ, just question though, right there. his, their ADP is going to skyrocket. If Rogers comes into town, at what point does he not become a value? 
Yeah, because that's if fair. It sleeps like the fourth round. Like I don't know if I want to, you know, go after yeah, that. That's fair. I think more so at like current costs. Like, I mean, in all my leagues, trading's opening up now, and I think he's a guy that you could target. Um, but that's a fair point. I think my act. I kind of blanked on this guy, but my pick for breakout player next year and rising star who flashed, Kadarius Tony. I would just been super impressed with his tape. I think the he really struggled at the end of the year to one stay healthy. That's what I'm worried about. But also the quarterback play, like he just couldn't run his usual route tree. He ran a lot shorter routes. His ADP dropped a lot. But when he was playing early in the season and Daniel Jones was healthy and the offense was at least you know competent. He was putting up big numbers, and what I was really impressed with was his route running. Um, if he can stay healthy, I said this before, he, relind, he reminds me a lot of Odell Beckham. So I think he's a guy that, you know, I don't – they're keeping Joe Judge. I, my guess is they'll probably run it back with Daniel Jones, but I would guess they'll bring in competition for him at least. Um, maybe they move on, but I would think they'll bring in competition, and I think Kadarius Tony's a guy that could absolutely smash and be a breakout player next year. I love his tape, and he's really good. But, man, I just – his injuries really worry me. Yeah, I agree. You know, like the fact that he's made of glass just – I don't know. It just doesn't sit right with me. But I think one thing I will say about him and just – it happens a lot with rookies, young guys. You see, like, Elijah Moore is banged up. Like, a lot of young guys do get banged up. And I think it's a big adjustment, right, going from college to the NFL. It's a lot more physical. You're getting hit by – you know, a lot bigger, better, faster players. You got to really take care of your body. And I think there is an adjustment period. So I'd like to see, you know, how it, it, if he goes through the same stuff again next year, then yeah, he's, he's probably just injury prone, but maybe he changes up his regimen a little bit and, you know, is able to stay healthy. Cause I think that's a big adjustment for young guys. And we see a lot of rookies that get banged up and are in and out of the lineup. I think that's one of the toughest things for them is to just take care of their body in the NFL. I mean, I hope you're right. I mean, like, I you don't ever want to see a guy struggle with injuries, but I mean, like, it seems like every time he touches the ball, he has, comes out with some sort of new injury. So yeah, and like, it's always like, oh, he's got this finger. Oh, he's got this toe. Like, it's just like, oh, there he is on the sideline grasping in pain. Like, yep. You know, all he did was catch a bigger screen around and go down. Like, I, he's great when he's on the field with Daniel Jones because Daniel Jones is at least able to distribute the ball and keep drives going. Right. I don't think Daniel Jones is. The franchise guy, and I've never thought that. But I think, like, you know, having competent quarterback, like, and I was saying about this last night, you know, like the Browns, Vikings, Giants, perfect example right now. I don't think the guy they have in their building is, like, necessarily, like, the franchise guy is going to lead them to, you know, the Super Bowl. Right. But you got a glimpse of what that door behind those guys is like without – you know, Jake Fromm, Mike Glennon, yeah. Kellen Mond, you know, Sean Mannion. And like, these guys, like, you don't. That's true. So, I don't know if you can afford to let them walk. Because if you do, everybody's going to lose a job. Because, you know, you'll win no games instead of seven. Right. But at the same time, like, I, I just feel like they're in such a tough spot. And I don't really know, like, where they can go with it. And I mean, I think they they have to when I say like bring in competition, like there's the free agent quarterback market is never like flush with options because quarterbacks are locked up. Right. But you have guys like Mitchell Trubisky, Marcus Mariota, 
um, you know, even Teddy Bridgewater, whatever. But like, they could bring in a guy that could could push Daniel Jones, and if not, you feel comfortable switching over to him. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Whether they want to go with a deep veteran or a guy that you know, a younger guy that that can improve, like Trubisky or Mariota. I don't know, but I think they have to bring in somebody. But I agree with your point. I mean, Daniel Jones is at least competent and can throw the ball downfield. Yeah, like it's it's so hard to watch him. It's like, like you know, like those guys aren't the answer. Like Baker Mayfield, like he's been there for four years. Like you should know whether or not if you spent the first overall pick with the guy, if you want to bring him back. Like, right? You shouldn't have to, you know, date another year to find out. Like, you should know. Yeah, it should be. Like, you know, like I think about the like Chargers Justin no, Herbert. it's been two years. The Chargers know. Hey, That's Justin exactly Herbert, what I was, pretty good. As soon you know, as he two years with Tua, mm, yeah. we're not in love. Like I think after four years, if you're not in love, like maybe you begin to peek behind that curtain. But you can't just kick the guy out because you can't go back into QB purgatory. Yeah, you've got to have another option. Like I think if if for example, if the Raiders miss the playoffs and decide to move on from Derek Carr, I think he's wildly underrated. The fact that they're even in playoff contention after the season they went through, if they decide to move on from Derek Carr, I think he'd be a great fit. I think if they decide to move off from Derek Carr, everybody should get ready for a very disappointing Russell Wilson-Derek Carr swap. Mm, Interesting. Just based off of kind of like what I know. And then then like you have to like understand like Pete Carroll's not going to want to take a rookie. He's going to have to build around. For Derek sure. Carr's a competent guy who, you know, can run the offense. You know, and then Russell Wilson, Las Vegas answers, you know, big market, yada, yada, yada. So a good football team. So I I think that's probably the direction we're heading if they move. And I, I, it's not exciting, but I just kind of think that's what's going to happen. I and think then Aaron Rodgers will either return to Green Bay or end up in Pittsburgh. Yes, I agree with that. Unfortunately, I, I did think – he was a near lock to go to Denver, but now I think uh, I think you're right. I think Pittsburgh or or he returns. Um, if, if if Minnesota decides to move off of Kirk Cousins, I think he'd be interesting in Cleveland. He may not be like the guy, but I think he's definitely um, I don't know an an upgrade on. He's definitely on, an upgrade over Baker, Baker, but it's like they're the same kind of guy. Like you win a lot of games with them, and you know. But I'd much rather have. Um, Kirk over Baker, but you know, all things considered, it's just I don't know. Like, I was talking to Matt about this earlier, and I wouldn't be surprised if, um, you know, the Browns are sitting there at 12 and Sam Howell is sitting there and they just swing. Yeah. I think, I think people are underrating Trubisky a little bit. I mean, he was a former number one overall pick. And everybody wants to hate on Nagy, right? Number two overall pick. Or number two. Wait. You no, went he, two. He one went two. was yeah. Number one was um uh, um twenty seventeen. Um damn, why am I drawing blank? Twenty seventeen. All I know is Trish Bisky went two. Because yeah, they moved right. they, uh, up they traded up to two. Who went one? Why am I drawing oh, blank? Oh, Miles Miles Garrett. Oh yeah, dude. No, I don't know how. That's I, I was I was way off too. I forgot about that. But I got you to know. see that pick be made, and I forgot. Yeah. Why can't we blame somewhat of Nagy's ineptitude on that? And now Trubisky's been with Josh Allen. I think, I think especially it, if it, especially yeah. if the team wants to hire Brian Dabble. I was getting ready to say. I think you need to pay attention where Brian Dabble goes. They could go together. Yeah, he may follow. I think, in fact, if the Broncos miss on Rodgers, Russ, whatever, I wouldn't hate them hiring Dable and bringing over Trubisky. But oh, man, a, I just 
I feel like Broncos fans would be so bitter. Oh, they would. They would. Like, you passed on Justin Fields. Right. You know, Pat Sertan, great player. But, you know, you see Justin Fields, Mac Jones, Aaron Rodgers, and you're going to give us Mitch Trubisky. Like, good luck selling that in Denver. Like, it could work out. And I see all the intangibles. And I always thought Trubisky kind of got screwed over in in Buffalo or Chicago. But good luck selling that to the fans of you know what I mean? I agree. Yeah, and, and it'll the, feel that would feel very Sam Darnold-ish to me. Yeah, like that's fair. Oh, okay. That. Like you know, all the tools. You know, it's had some flashes, but but I will say, lastly, in terms of Trubisky, he's a guy I own in I think all my superflex leagues or most of them. He could land a starting job, and and he put up some fantasy points. He I think he was QB nine one year, and he rushes too. He had a season where he rushed for over 400 yards. So Matt is actually working on an article right now when he talks about Trubisky and I agree, like Trubisky's young. He's got all the talent. Um, He's had a year to refine his mechanics, kind of learn the game. And, you know, it's been reported. And, you know, I said, you know, like Dabo likes this kid. He's got all the talent. So like, I think Trubisky gets a shot next year. I just, I don't know if I believe that it works out. Yeah, I, I want a, to. I like Trubisky. I see the talent. I see what he can do when he has competent stuff around him. It's just, I don't know. And usually these guys that switch teams and, and don't perform well, they lose their job, that are high draft picks. I mean, it's it's rare that they move on and, and find success. You've seen it with like Ryan Tannehill and, and Drew Brees guys, but, and goes like that. Yeah, right. Drew Brees. But it's usually like Sam Darnold, right? Like that's usually how it plays out. So the odds are against it, but I think it's it's a risk worth taking if if you're stuck in QB purgatory. You know, I, I wouldn't. Be I don't know the move for the Broncos, but I, I think it's an option if they miss out on on one of the top guys. I just don't know because like the Broncos again, they're going to have another mid first round pick. If if they want Howell or Pickett or Corral or somebody, they have to trade up, and it's just like, yeah, that's tough. You and, have the talent, and I know everybody says like Noah Fant is like the low hanging fruit in a trade piece, but I disagree. Like, I don't think you could tra- like Noah Fant is too good. Like, right? I, I don't know. I, I I watch the Broncos games, and everybody says Alberto is the guy to have, but the dude's got bricks for hands. First off, and I don't know. It just I wrote about Noah Fant in uh, with in games with six or more targets this year. He's averaged fourteen point eight points, and in games with seven targets or more, he's averaged sixteen point seven points. I mean, when when he gets the targets, he's he produces. So that offense would be a lot of fun. I think their Peyton is their GM George Peyton is pretty against trading up and giving up draft picks, but they yeah, did it for Javante Williams and. Mm-hmm. But I think I think they're pretty set on trying to get one of these veterans because they're definitely a quarterback away win now. But you know, it's possible that Rogers stays in Green Bay and Russ goes to like Vegas or something. And yeah, it's possible and- that Rogers stays in Green Bay and Jordan Love is on the market. And I think you could take a swing on Jordan Love. For sure. I would do that in a heartbeat. It'll be interesting. The quarterback market's gonna be interesting. Um any last words, Sam? Any any lessons you learned from this year? Anything you want to share with with our listeners? You know, I don't know. Like, I've had a lot of hits and misses. You know, like um, Miles Sanders. You know, was a my guy. You know, hurt. Um, looked good when he was there, but hurt. And Brian Edwards just didn't happen. Um, problem with him is, you know, like he looks good, and you know, I know Twitter says he never gets open, but then I can watch the tape, and he's he gets open. It's just I think Derek Carr is such a passive quarterback that he doesn't ever you know like 
you you can't hate it because you know he's made a lot of money doing. It. And the old saying is quarterback is um simply uh, you can't go broke taking a profit. And yep, dude takes you know the five yard route instead of the fifteen yard route, and it's very frustrating to see. Yeah, but yeah, it is what it is. You know, with Brian Edwards, I think he's dead in the water unless they get a quarterback change, and I don't really think that's in the market right now. Like, and you look at the Raiders, like they're still in playoff contention despite everything that's happened. They're still in playoff contention. You know, their head coach gets fired. You know, yeah. Henry Ruggs kills somebody. Damon Arnett cut. Somebody else cut. They have another DB in you know DUI last yeah. night. And, yeah. You know, you look at it, and there they are, like. Still in the playoff contention. I don't see them going anywhere, but I don't know. Or I don't see Carr going anywhere, but I don't know if the Edwards breakout happens unless he does. And it yeah, is what it is. But you know, I mean, you live and you learn, you move on. And, you know, the the thing about hyping up Brian Edwards is that he never cost you a first round pick. Like, right. So you know, at the most you ever had to pay was a second, and you know that didn't kill your season. And he still had some decent weeks. I think what I'll say to your point, even if you miss on some of those guys. You have to buy in to the guys that you believe in. I was very vocal about Javante Williams before the season. He's like my favorite prospect of all time. Look how high his value is now. Guys who believed in, you know, like we talked about, Amon Ross St. Brown, they're being rewarded now. You know, if you were Elijah Mitchell fan, like buy into your guys. Matt owns Rashad Penny everywhere, and he's being rewarded. Like buy into your guys that you believe in. That's what fantasy football is all about. Um. Okay, that's going to do it for the awards show. Hit us up on Twitter. Let us know what you thought of, of our awards. Let us know if you disagree, what you think. Um, but as always, head on over to patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts. Subscribe there. Check out our website, ffballallday.com. Getting redone and reworked. It'll be all new on Friday, January 7th. So make sure to check that out. We mentioned Matt has a buy low Dynasty QB article coming. So be on the lookout for that. And we'll uh, see you back here next week on the Fantasy Scouts podcast where we bring you inside info you won't get anywhere else. Mm-hmm.